Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 19th. Today we are going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me blog. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 is one of my husband's all-time favorite verses. It says, for where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this verse today because the other verses in here teach a really powerful doctrine, but I do think it's important that we really understand the truthfulness of this verse, that this isn't just words, but it's a promise that our Father in heaven gives to us as we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ whether that be in our family home evenings that we start with prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, whether that's in our temples, whether that's in our sacrament meetings, whether that's in our young men or young women's classes, when we, be, when we begin with prayer and invite that spirit of the Lord to be with us. We have incredible promises given to us when we are gathered together in his name to worship him and to learn more about him. We need to make sure that with all the energy of our hearts, we're seeking after this promise and making the most of it when it happens. So let's continue on to a super important doctrine that the Savior is going to teach here. Continuing on in verse 21, it says, Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, what's interesting here is that Jewish law said that they had to forgive three times in order to be forgiven. So Peter's going out on a limb here and he's like, hey, I'll more than double the Jewish law. So I'm going to forgive this person seven times. Is that enough? And to be fair to Peter, he was being very generous with Jewish law. But listen to what the Savior teaches. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, what's important to recognize here is that the Savior wasn't teaching a specific number that we can forgive and then we don't forgive anymore. He was just throwing out an absurd number, a large number, to help his disciples realize that we just keep forgiving. We aren't supposed to keep track. We're not supposed to make tally scores in a notebook and say, well, this person only has three more times that I can forgive them because heaven forbid our Father in heaven does that with us. Heaven forbid he is tallying and has an end of forgiveness for each of us. He continues to forgive. And because of that, we are supposed to continue to forgive as well. Now, the Savior is going to go on and he's going to teach a parable about forgiveness. But before we get into this parable, I want to share a story written in a book by Corey Ten Boom, which was a prisoner in a Holocaust concentration camp. Now, in this story, it's sometime after World War II. And she was teaching a group of people about Christ and about forgiveness. And as she's standing up there giving this talk about forgiveness, she recognizes a member of the audience as one of the cruelest guards in the concentration camp that she was in. I'm going to tell you the beginning of this story, and then later we'll talk about how the story ends. So this is her story as told by Bishop McMullen. He said, a man approached her. She recognized him as one of the cruelest guards in the camp. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there, but since that time I have become a Christian. He explained that he had sought God's forgiveness for the cruel things he had done. He extended his hand and asked, Will you forgive me? So let's pause the story right there and then jump into this parable that the Savior is going to teach about forgiveness. In this parable, there's a king who has all these servants or people that he has given loans to. Verse 24 says, And when he began to reckon 
one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now let's pause there for just a second to understand the magnitude of this debt. The average laborer would have made a pence a day, or in our terminology, like a penny a day. Now it would have taken 6,000 pence to equal one talent. And now here we have this servant who owes 10,000 talents. And in our money, if we're figuring an average day's labor pay, this would be $3,480,000,000. A lot of biblical scholars estimate that it would be about 250,000 years of wages. So essentially what the Savior is saying here is this is an unheard of amount of money, that there's no universe in which the servant is going to pay up back this money. There's no universe in which anyone would have loaned that amount of money, but it's just not possible that the servant can pay this back. Now, the king here is supposed to represent the Savior or our Heavenly Father, and the servant is us. We have a debt that we can't pay. What's interesting, though, is it doesn't matter if it's 10,000 talents or if it's one pence. We cannot repay it. It doesn't matter if we're the vilest of sinner or we just have a few small habits that we're having a hard time with. We can't repay this debt on our own. It is just not possible. The scriptures teach us for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So yes, the Savior uses an astronomical number here, but it would be just as impossible to pay even if it were a tiny number as well. So the servant says, I can't pay that. The Lord says that he's going to sell his wife and children. And the servant falls down and worships the Lord and says, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. What's interesting here is that the servant doesn't ask for forgiveness of the loan. He doesn't say, please forgive this loan. He just says, please be patient with me so I can do it. And yet look at what the Lord does. It says, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He didn't just have patience with the servant. He forgave the servant. What I love about this is I think sometimes we are so interested in begging for scraps from our Father in heaven that we don't see that he is willing to offer us the full feast of his mercy. Sometimes we're just begging for so little when he wants to offer us so much. Continuing on with the story of Corey Ten Boom, Bishop McMullen says, It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. The message that God forgives has a condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Help me, I prayed silently. I can lift up my hand. I can do that much. But you supply the feeling. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. My friends, we don't have to have hurt as deep as this woman did to experience forgiveness the way this woman did. We can forgive and eliminate contention with anyone that we might be struggling with. In fact, that's something that our prophet has asked us to do. 
In his talk about spiritual momentum, President Nelson challenges us to eliminate contention in our lives. He said, It can be painfully difficult to let go of anger that feels so justified. It can seem impossible to forgive those whose destructive actions have hurt the innocent, and yet the Savior admonishes us to forgive all men. We are followers of the Prince of Peace. Now more than ever, we need the peace only He can bring. How can we expect peace to exist in the world when we are not individually seeking peace and harmony? Brothers and sisters, I know that what I'm suggesting is not easy, but followers of Jesus Christ should set the example for all the world to follow. I plead with you to do all you can to end personal conflicts that are currently raging in your hearts and in your lives. Exercise the humility, courage, and strength required both to forgive and to seek forgiveness. The Savior has promised that if we forgive men their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will also forgive us. If forgiveness presently seems impossible, plead for power through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ to help you. As you do so, I promise personal peace and a burst of spiritual momentum. When the Savior atoned for all mankind, He opened a way for those that follow Him to have access to His healing, strengthening, and redeeming power. These spiritual privileges are available to all who seek Him and follow Him. My friends, I testify that our Father in Heaven would have us end conflict and learn to forgive those in our lives. It's my testimony that with and through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we can have power to do so. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 